Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna Extra What's the Chronicles of Aguna Extra, you might ask? Well, it's an additional show to our main show. We will be back later on this evening, live at 7pm UK time. I'll be joined by my good friend, Dan DeLuca, not an Arsenal supporter, supports that lot down the road, but it's a good week to get him on. And we'll be looking back at the weekend's Premier League action in detail. We'll obviously be talking about Arsenal versus Chelsea at length, or Chelsea versus Arsenal at length. We'll also be talking about Spurs' defeat against Liverpool on that edition. So lots and lots to come. There's plenty of talking points from another cracking weekend of Premier League action to sink our teeth into. But right here, right now on the Chronicles of Aguna Extra, we are, of course, solely focused on the Gunners. We're going to be discussing the news coming out of Brazil with regards to Gabriel. Gabriel Martinelli and Gabriel Jesus. Gabby, Gabby and Gabby. We're going to be talking about what we're hearing with regards to the Brazilian World Cup squad and what that means for Arsenal. Is it a good or bad thing that two of our three Brazilian stars look as though they're going to be left at home? We'll get into all of that on this edition of the show, of course. If I could just ask you before we get into it, please do uh, leave a like on the video. Please do subscribe to the channel if you're new. It really, really does help. Uh, Hello to the Ultimate Womble who says, I'd rather none of our players were going, but surely there must be some friendly games to keep the players sharp who haven't gone. Funny you should ask, because we're also going to be talking a little bit later on about what Arsenal's plans are for the World Cup period. Uh, David Ornstein has shed some light on that this morning. Big hello to Kin, uh, who says, good morning, hope you're well. Uh, Big hello to James, who says, hi, mate. James from New Zealand, listening like usual. What a performance from the Gunners once again. Was a 1am kickoff, but was up supporting the team as always. Anyway, keep up the good work, Harry. No, you keep up the good work, mate. Getting up at those hours to watch the Arsenal, that's dedication. Love it. Thank you. Um, and uh, thank you for your kind words, of course. Big hello to the clock orange. Uh, Ray Beam says, Harry, after surfing through multiple pundit channels, your show is an oasis in the desert. I guess that's a good thing. I hope. <laughs> Nice one. Um, What else have we got? Uh, Derek says, G'day from Australia, buddy. Happy days. I think it's a good thing if our players don't go to the World Cup. I think it's a joke to have it in the middle of our season. Well, the European season. Yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll talk about the World Cup at length, you know, as it approaches. And and we're going to be bringing you a daily podcast during the World Cup as well. I'm going to be calling in some favours. I'm going to be getting some of my uh, friends and colleagues on from various different shows. And we're going to be doing a daily podcast. Uh, World Cup thing. It'll probably be short and sweet, around about 30 minutes an episode, but we'll break down all the day's big stories and all the day's football uh, at the end of the days. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy that and it keeps you ticking over whilst there is no Arsenal action. 
Uh, Bruce Banana says, no podcast on 90 Min today, Harry. There wasn't today, unfortunately. Um, nobody's fault just because a few people were unavailable um, due to various reasons. I myself am meant to be on holiday this week and wanted to take some downtime ahead of the World Cup, but I can't resist jumping on and talking about Arsenal here when Arsenal are, of course, flying. But I am technically off this week, so um want to try and spend as much time as I can with the kids, want to try and spend as much time sort of tying up loose ends and, and also relaxing as well, because the World Cup for me, from a work perspective, is going to be quite intense. And as I said to you guys on the show yesterday, I do feel like I'm burning the candle at both ends a little bit right now, which, listen, I'm, I'm not afraid of hard work, but they do, there does come a point where you feel like you're crashing a little bit and you feel like the work you're doing is no longer of the same standard. And I, I feel like I'm just sort of etching into that territory. So just wanted to strip it back uh, for a little while. But also some of the other guys that are normally on there couldn't make it today as well, which is why there was no show. Uh, big hello to Matt. Um, big hello to Alex, to Afsar, to Wesbird, uh, to Craig and uh, everybody else joining us in the live chat as well. Okay, let's get into it then. The big news. It's been reported this morning that of the three Gabbies, only one will be going to the World Cup with Brazil. And it looks as though it's going to be Gabi Jesus. Now, call me naive, but I thought that Gabi Jesus was the one, not the most at risk, but one of the ones that certainly was at risk. Because, you know, obviously in the wide positions, I know they've got a lot of talent, Brazil. And I understand actually why Martinelli, you know, isn't in there. I think he deserves it personally, but I say that, as somebody who watches him every single week and somebody who absolutely adores him. But when you look at that Brazil squad, when you think about the people that can play in that position, um, you know, you you can kind of see why, I guess, somebody sent me a graphic earlier. Um, where is it? Hold on a second. Uh, a friend of mine sent me a graphic of the Brazil squad, like sort of highlighting their strength and depth. And when you think about those wide positions, right, they've got, Vinicius Jr., who's a standout for me, he's an unbelievable player. We saw that in the Champions League last season, and I'm sure we'll see that again in the Champions League this season. You've got people like Neymar that can play in that role. You've got people like Rafinha, Anthony, Rodrigo, also of Real Madrid. You know, Richarlison and Jesus, who are said to be in the squad, can both play from wide as well. So when you look at that, it's not it's not outrageous that Gabriel Martinelli's been left out, even though I would rather... No, actually, I'm not going to say I would rather he went because obviously I want him to be fit and fresh for Arsenal. We'll come on to the, the pros and cons of him not going in a bit. But, you know, I, I can understand that decision. The one I struggle with is the centre-back position. The one that I really struggle with is is Gabriel being left out because he's been, he's gone with Bremer. Um, you know, the Brazilian centre-half currently playing his football uh, in Italy. He had a good season last season. You know, a lot of people said, oh, you know, this guy is the best defender in Serie A, the best defender in Italy. Spent some time, obviously, at Torino. But I don't think he's been great this season for Juventus. Um, I really don't. And I'm actually shocked that Tite has decided, or Titch, as I hear it's pronounced, has decided to overlook Gabriel for him. I also look at their centre-back options. I don't think there's another left-footer in there as well, which makes it even more surprising. So the one... I'm surprised about, as I say, is the omission of Gabriel, the centre-half Gabriel. Um, you know, the other two, I would have understood them. I understand absolutely why he's taking Jesus. He's been brilliant. This season gives so much to the team. Martinelli, when you look at the talent that Brazil have in those positions, as I say, I'd have taken him, but you can see why 
that decision has been come to. You can see why it why it's not outrageous. But I guess, yeah, then you come on to the point, don't you? Is this good or bad for Arsenal? Is it good for Arsenal that two of the three Gabbies are going to be at home and are going to be rested and are going to be part of whatever it is that Arsenal do over the course of that period? We'll come on to that in a little bit. But is it good that they're going to get 10, 11 days off and then they're going to go over to Dubai, we think, for some warm weather training and they're going to play in some friendlies to keep their fitness levels up, but aren't going to be required really to go through the emotional trauma that can come when you have a disappointing World Cup or the emotional exhaustion that can come when you go very far in a World Cup. Is this a good or bad thing for Arsenal? Well, I think there's a bit of both here. Okay, so on the one hand, it's good that the risk you'd think of them picking up an injury in a non-competitive match with Arsenal and during a warm weather training camp is smaller than the risk of going to a major tournament where you're going to give everything, blood, sweat and tears to try and take your country as far as possible. That's, you know, that's one way of looking at it. But the other side of it as well is that this is an Arsenal team, a young Arsenal team that is on the up, that is rising. I think this will be harder to take for Gabriel than it will be for Martinelli. I mean, Gabriel, the centre-back. So confusing when we talk about all of them together. But the reason I say that is because obviously Martinelli's got more time in front of him. He's got more years in front of him. You know, he's got he's going to have more opportunities based on the sheer fact that he's a younger player. Um, you know, then then Gabriel Magalhaes, who, you know, is 24 years old. I know that that's not old by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, it's... He's got what? Is it three years on Martinelli? I'll just double check that. Yeah, he's got three years pretty much on Martinelli. So maybe for Gabriel, the centre-back, he would struggle a little bit um, to kind of process this. But as I say, this is a team on the up. This is a group of lads who are getting better and better with each passing week, who have shown incredible resilience, incredible mental strength, and must feel invincible, or at least must have felt invincible, up until this morning when that news came out or when that news was broken, because it must feel like an absolute kick in the nuts. You know, it must do. You know, to to think that you're doing everything within your power, to think that you're at the top of your game, to think that you've never played better football than this in your career and you still can't make the Brazil squad. And, it, you know, albeit it's a very talented and very deep squad and, and the manager's got an, an array of uh, talent that he can choose from. It just, I feel like it could be, for all the good things about it, I feel like it could be a bit of a confidence knock for them. And what needs to happen is they need to get the support from Arsenal. They need to get an arm around them from Mikel Arteta. They need to, you know, be reassured and they need to have the self-belief that it's not anything that they've done. And this is just a manager with preferences who's decided to go down this route. I think that's so key. I think Arsenal need to look after these boys now because... As much as I say that there is less risk of them picking up long-term injuries, he says that, touch wood, you know, it doesn't happen anywhere. But although you can look at it from that sense and you can say they'll be well-rested and they'll be fresh and ready to go, having a bit of a break in the middle of the season will disrupt them a bit. It will disrupt momentum, although the benefits of being rested are obviously clear to see. But at the same time, it's the mental disappointment, I think, that's going to be the hardest bit for those boys to overcome. And I hope they get the support that they need to be able to do that. I trust in both of them. I think they both are pretty confident in their own ability. Um, I think Mikel Arteta has shown incredible confidence in both of them as well of late, which will make them feel good and make them feel better. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, 
pros and cons here. From my perspective, as a selfish Arsenal supporter with no, I don't want to say no interest in Brazil. I like Brazil. They're one of the great footballing nations. I always want them to be at the World Cup. I always want them to go far in the World Cup because the tournament is always better for it. But as someone with no skin in the game, you know, from a purely Arsenal selfish perspective, actually the fact that they're staying, it makes me feel a little bit better. But if there's one of them that is indispensable, one of the three that is completely indispensable at the moment in the sense of we don't have anybody else who can do what he does. It is Gabriel Jesus and he is the one that is going. So I was saying this to a mate of mine earlier, right? He texted me and he was like, I don't know how I feel about Jesus going. You know, he looks absolutely knackered, all of that stuff. He basically said, you know, basically, yeah, I, I just don't know how I feel. And my response was, Although I get where you're coming from and I kind of feel the same. At the end of the day, you can't have top players and then moan, complain or wonder why they're being selected by their national teams. It, it just doesn't work like that, right? It's the trade-off. You have the best players. You've got to understand that they're going to be in demand. You've got to understand that their national team coaches are going to lean on them and are going to rely on them heavily. And I always say this as well. We always talk about that club versus country debate. You know, we've seen players go onto international duty with slight niggles and the international manager has decided to take that risk and go that extra mile. Why? Because they don't care about the club. All they care about is being successful in their job and rightly so. But it just causes that friction, doesn't it, between club and country. And and I'm just at the point now where, although obviously for me it's club all the way, 100%, I understand why Brazilians, of all people, feel so attached to their team, to their national team, to the Selecao. It's such a big, big deal. Um, you know, it's it's something that for them is so much more important than it is to me or you. And that's why I talk about the mental blow. And the disappointment that they'll be facing, even though, as I say, from a purely selfish Arsenal perspective, I'm actually OK with this. Do you get where I'm coming from? Does that make sense? Let's take uh, some of you guys' thoughts in the comment section on this. Um, would love to hear uh, what you guys have to say as well. Uh, Carlo says, I think that this is a bad thing because they were pushing to get in the team. It can also work to our advantage because they can show they should have been selected for the World Cup. Yeah, so Carlo sort of talks about, I guess, where you're coming from is, is the motivation that it gives them to prove the boss wrong, to prove the manager wrong. I mean, if Brazil, for example, went to the World Cup, had a disappointing tournament and Arsenal ended up having a really strong season in which Gabriel and Gabriel uh, were the stars, despite being admitted, uh, admitted, I beg your pardon, from the squad, it does kind of leave the coach with egg on his face. So yeah, there's that motivation to prove people wrong for sure. Sam says, England will take them both if Brazil don't want them. <laughs> like that. Um, Mark says, I always think there's a prejudice against Premier League-based South African players opposed to La Liga and Serie A-based players. Maybe, maybe. Um, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. Uh, Abby says, I feel sorry for the boys. Their confidence will be rocked. Sam says, Gabriel Magalhaes continues to be vastly overlooked and underrated. Hopefully, this just gives him more drive to smash it for Arsenal. I'm gutted for him, especially. Uh, Elliot says, I'm really sorry for the two Gabbies, but their loss will be our gain. It's important to note, by the way, that this squad announcement has not been made official at the time of recording, as far as I'm aware. This is a squad that a journalist put out. 
this morning. Uh, Bruce Banana says, do you think the manager has just looked at who's playing in the Champions League? Seems like he was overlooked because he's not competing in Europe's biggest competition. That's a good point. Um, you know, Arsenal's prestige right now is not where it should be. OK, people are talking about us in a glowing positive light right now because we're flying and sitting pretty at the top of the division. But over the last few years, you know, we haven't had that prestige. There's no getting away from that. And perhaps you've got a point there. Um, it's a good point. Jay says, uh, I think Gabriel isn't a surprise because he's played zero minutes for Brazil and Danny Alves has been selected over him as a better cheerleader for the bench position. Uh, Sam says, Martinelli, I think it's a blessing for him not to go injury-wise. Jesus needed it to hopefully pick up some goals. Interesting. Uh, I'll take a few more comments and then we'll jump uh, back into... Uh, the news. Uh, Sam says, loving the grind covering the Arsenal H. Good luck, Charm. Thank you so much, mate. feel like I've uh, done nothing but attend football matches in the last few weeks. But listen, that's what I wanted. I'm not knocking it. Uh, questions about whether or not Brazil will regret it. I, it's really hard to know. It's really hard to say now at this stage whether or not Brazil will regret it, right? They've got, as I keep saying, a uh, a vast amount of talent to select from. And if they have a good tournament, then no, they won't regret it. But if, of course, they fail and, you know, they, you know, feel as though things didn't work, things didn't click, then I'm sure plenty of people who know a lot more about Brazilian football and the Seleção than I do will make that point, will say that actually the squad was wrong, that there were players left behind that actually could have had a really big impact. So, yeah, interesting to see. Um, OK, let's take, um, you know, what? we'll pause the comments for a second. Let's go back into the kind of news bit uh, and keep uh, filling you guys in with the latest Arsenal news uh, in and around uh, the uh, web at the moment. But just a quick one before you do that, if you could please, or before I do that, if you could please leave a like on the video, because uh, there are a fair few watching us right now, but we haven't got anywhere near enough likes. Let's try and get to 100 likes uh, ASAP. There's more than enough of you to do so. So please leave a like and of course, make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. We're around about 500 subscribers away on YouTube. That is nothing to do with those that listen on the podcast platforms, just on YouTube, which shows you amazingly how much, how big this thing has grown. Even when, you know, we're talking about this kind of number without the audio numbers, we're 500 subs away from 25,000 YouTube subscribers unbelievable. So if you could please uh, subscribe if you're freeloading, basically, uh, I'd be very, very grateful. Okay, let's go back to the news then. Let's talk a little bit about um, about what the uh, about what the uh, World Cup period holds for the Gunners, because, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting, isn't it, to see how clubs manage this, how clubs deal with it. And um, David Ornstein, in his column this morning, uh, put out some information on that. Um, here's what he had to say. So he says that Mikel Arteta's squad that are not playing in Qatar are set to be granted about 10 days off and will then return to training in London. So the first bit is a bit of a break, a bit of a holiday. Mikel Arteta hinted it, didn't he, in his post-match interview when he was asked about, is the plan to be on the beach somewhere? He said, yeah, actually it is. And that's good as well, you know, because we've heard over the years of managers who don't take breaks, don't take holidays, work tirelessly. 
and almost become so obsessed and insulated around their work that they don't then go out and they don't unwind. And I think actually that can have a detrimental effect. I think that leads to you becoming like you, you have to be obsessive to be at the highest level as a football manager. But I think there's a balance that you need to find. And I think Mikel Arteta is actually pretty good at doing that, at giving himself a little bit of distance. And so he's going to spend some time with his family, we understand. Uh, and then, of course, the club, the team, intend to travel to Dubai on December the 4th for a warm weather camp, during which exhibition matches will likely be staged with Lyon on December the 8th, the French outfit, of course, and AC Milan just five days later. It's expected the round-robin format will also feature Liverpool, but the English teams are not expected to meet. Arsenal are then due to fly home on December 14th and may stage a third game at the Emirates Stadium on December 17th, with talks raising the idea of a Spanish opponent in front of the supporters. Contracts, according to David Ornstein, for this Dubai competition are close to being signed and confirmation is anticipated in the next week, which will offer further information and ticketing details for those who wish to attend. So that's the plan. That's what um, that's what, what Arsenal are looking to do during that period. And I think that's cool. You know, a few games keep match sharpness up, you know, without it being too serious, without it being too, um, you know, too strenuous. Also, have a bit of a break, which is needed, which is necessary. Um, you know, that's obviously really, really important as well because the schedule has been hard. The players have performed. They're deserving of it. They're worthy of it. Um, just seeing some um, some breaking news coming through as well whilst we're live, actually, with regards to Liverpool. Uh, according to reports, uh, FSG, the, the company that own Liverpool Football Club, have just put the, comp the club up for sale, which is fascinating. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later on in our weekend review show uh, with Dan DeLuca. Interesting uh, to kind of start reading into that and um, and gaining some opinion on that and, and trying to understand why that might be. Is it a good or bad thing for Liverpool Football Club as well? Um, in terms of the Champions League draw, which was done earlier today, and the Europa League draw, there's some interesting ties. We've got to touch on those as well. And then we'll do a few of your questions. Let's just quickly start with the Champions League. Uh, the standout ties for me, Liverpool versus Real Madrid. Can Liverpool exact revenge on Real Madrid? A, you know, it's a, a grudge match, this one. It's becoming that, isn't it? In the Champions League over the years. Tottenham, they go away to Milan uh, in their first game. And that's obviously a two-legged affair. Manchester City will meet RB Leipzig. Chelsea play Borussia Dortmund. And of course... The big heavyweight clash that everybody's looking at outside of Liverpool versus Real Madrid is PSG versus Bayern Munich, two of the favourites for the competition going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Elsewhere, Napoli, they play Eintracht Frankfurt, and I fancy Napoli in that. I really, really do. I worry about Napoli balancing the Champions League in their Scudetto chase as well, but that's a tie that they'll feel is winnable, and they'll have to go for that. Chelsea should beat Dortmund, I think, over two legs. You know, I know they weren't very good yesterday, but I think they're good enough. Inter will be happy with the fact that they've drawn Porto. Bruges-Benfica will be an interesting game as well because those are two sides that have exceeded people's expectations in the competition, I think, so far and have been at a really good high level. So we'll see uh, where they end up, of course. Uh, just quickly, though, on the Europa League draw as well, the one that impacts us. 
Um, some really interesting ties here as well. And of course, the standout tie is Barcelona versus Man United. That's two of the teams that I would have wanted to avoid in the next round. At least one of them is going to be eliminated by that stage. Juventus, uh, they take on Nantes, Sporting Lisbon, play Michelin, Shakhtar take on Rennes, Ajax versus Union Berlin, Bayer Leverkusen versus Monaco, Sevilla versus Eindhoven and Salzburg versus Roma. So, um, yeah, really interesting draw there as well. Look, we don't have to worry about it for now. Our draw is in February and we return to Europa League action uh, early next year. So for us, we can just kind of park this right now and just watch them all kick lumps out of each other, basically, uh, which is always nice. But yeah, those are the draws. OK, um, let's get some of your questions. Let's get some of your thoughts on any of the subjects discussed or indeed anything else. Uh, start chucking them in. Uh, and we'll finish off this episode of the Chronicles of Aguna Extra uh, by answering a couple of those. Uh, so please start popping them in the chat. Also, just a quick reminder, again, if you haven't done so already, we want to get to 100 likes. We're about 30 away at the moment. So start hitting that like button. There's no excuse. What are you waiting for? Uh, doo -doo -doo. Uh, Matt Tomo asks about the matches that are scheduled to be taking place during the World Cup. Will they be televised, streamed? Um, maybe on a pay-per-view basis even. The honest answer is, Matt, at the moment, I don't know. Uh, the contracts, is, as I sort of alluded to off the back of David Onstein's report, around this competition, or this friendly competition, round robin, whatever you want to call it, have not been signed yet. I'm sure there will be something about the broadcasting of these fixtures in there as well. Um, it, it's a difficult one because I don't think that FIFA or any of the, you know, regional governing bodies, i.e. UEFA, CAF, whatever, will want matches to be taking place that are televised during their, you know, their big World Cup competition. So, yeah, it's a good point that you raise, and I don't really know the answer to it. I'm, I reckon it will probably be club website job, something like that, a bit like what we saw during pre-season. I wouldn't be surprised. Let's see what else we've got. Um, uh, peanut butter jelly time asks about the Europa League draw. I kind of shared my thoughts on that. I don't really have an opinion on any of the ties, really, other than the Barcelona Man United one, which for me is going to be really, really interesting. Really interesting. Um, and as I say, it's a win win for us because one of them, two of the sides that I see as big rivals for the competition, obviously, there are other sides in there, Juve, uh, Ajax, you know, there's a lot of good teams in there, but that's those are two of the ones that I'd have wanted to avoid. So to avoid them because, or to avoid at least one of them guaranteed because they meet each other is certainly a positive outcome for us. Bruce Banana says, who would you like to win the World Cup and who do you think will win? I think Brazil or France will win it is, is what I'm kind of thinking at the moment. But this is not going to go down popular. Like I, I realised that I live and work in England and I probably shouldn't say this, but I actually want Argentina to win it. I want Lionel Messi to win it. I want Lionel Messi to crown off um, what has been an unbelievable career with a World Cup win with his beloved Argentina. I think he deserves it. I think he's been just on another planet for as long as I can remember now. And I don't know, he's so much humbler than Cristiano Ronaldo. He's so much more likeable than Cristiano Ronaldo. And I just think that Although I'm already on the messy side of the debate, I just think if he won this, it would, you know, it would destroy the debate. There would be no more 
talk of Ronaldo Messi anymore. I know Ronaldo's gone and won titles in different countries and people always point to that. But to have the World Cup, the biggest prize in football, for me, would be the crowning of all of Lionel Messi's achievements. So, yeah, um, this is not from a political standpoint. I know I've, I've upset a few people by saying this. I don't care about the politics of it. I don't care about any of it. All I care about is the football side of it. And I've always had a bit of a soft spot um, for Argentina. I always think they produce fantastic players. Are they masters of the housery? Yeah, of course they are. But, you know, so are many others as well. Yeah, I think I'd like to see Messi more than Argentina win it, to be honest. Uh, Let's see what else we've got. Peanut Butter Jelly Time says... Do you worry about the fitness for some players not going to the World Cup is going to be a problem and then end up affecting our league form? I mean, you can look at it two ways, right? You can say that the the players that stay behind might not be as sharp, but you can also say the players that go might be burnt out. So, you know, I think you've got to, I think you've got to, um, I think you've got to weigh up both sides. Um, You know, I think, I think that's how you got to look at this. I don't think, as I've said before, when it comes to the World Cup, and it's one of the reasons why I'm not really committal on where I think Arsenal are going to finish, and a lot of people get frustrated with me because of that. But at the end of the day, the way I see it is the World Cup in the middle of a season is an unknown. We don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't know if it's going to be a positive. We don't know if it's going to be a negative. We don't know if we're going to get players back fit. We don't know if we're going to get players burnt out. We don't know if we're going to get players back injured. And because of all those uncertainties and all those unknowns, I can't really answer questions like this, whether I think that it will be a problem or not, because for some it might be and for others it won't be. I think you have to break this down on an individual case by case basis. I worry more for the players that have regular fitness issues than the players that are made of Teflon seemingly and are available most weeks. So yeah, I think you have to assess this based on individual players and um, yeah, we just got to have to see what we're dealt you know, what ham we're dealt with by the time everybody comes back. Uh, Fatality says, Harry, just a shout out for your video yesterday. So many fantastic points that I completely agree with. White, Jesus and Xhaka have been outstanding this season. Another great weekend at the office. Yeah, great stuff. Thank you as well, mate, for the shout out. Um, (laughs) A few people. Steve, I used to like you, Harry. Uh, Guna72 says, no way, Argentina. Also, does used to like me as well. Uh, Guna72 says, I'm an ex-British soldier. Um, as I said to you before, it's nothing to do with politics, nothing to do with anything outside of football. I, I don't have opinions on that kind of stuff because I'm not educated enough around those subjects to have, in my opinion, valid opinions. So I don't air them because, yeah, I, I don't like to chat about stuff too much that I don't know about because I think it upsets people. I think inaccuracies can... Um, you know, skew one's opinion on a subject that they're not really qualified to talk about. And that's me on what happened way back when, you know, I was born in 1990. <laughs> um, anyway, cool. Going to leave it there. Thank you all so, so much for tuning in to the Chronicles of Aguna Extra, of course. And we'll be back at 7 p.m. live tonight. Make sure you tune into this one because It's going to be great fun. We're going to be looking back on Chelsea Arsenal again in a little bit more detail. We're going to be getting an opposition view on Arsenal yesterday as well. Uh, Going to be talking to Dan DeLuca, who you've seen on the show previously. He's a Spurs fan, but he's a good friend of mine. And um, 
you know, we we have some great football conversations. So I can't wait for him to join me a little bit later on today. So Dan DeLuca will be on at 7pm. We'll be talking Chelsea Arsenal. We'll be talking Spurs Liverpool. We'll be talking Unai Emery's return to the Premier League. Uh, we'll also be uh, discussing some of the other news that's broken today. FSG have put Liverpool up for sale, as we just learned. We'll also be talking about Ralph Hasenhutl sacking. So a more general Premier League show, which should be, I think, quite interesting this time around. Thank you all so much. Make sure you leave a like on the video. Make sure you subscribe if you're new. And I will catch you all next time with more in just a few hours. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.